Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all this morning, church, and good to have you guys online with us as well. It's great to have you here. If I haven't met you before, I'm Ben. I'm the community pastor here at Oasis Church, and we're in a new series right now called The Beatitudes, The Path to True Happiness. Adam kicked it off for us last week, and he spoke about the first beatitude, which says, blessed are the, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we looked at how the, the door, the entryway into God's kingdom, into that blessed life under God's rule, is really low. That we need to get down on our knees, we need to humble ourselves and recognize our poverty of spirit in order to enter in to God's blessed rule. This week, we're looking at the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, if the Beatitudes were a spiritual menu, I don't think any of us would choose to be the mourner, the sad one, the, the party pooper. But the Beatitudes aren't a spiritual menu. The Beatitudes are kind of like different angles that look at God's people. They give us a, a truth about who God's blessed people are. And so we're looking at an important angle on God's people today. We're looking at them as those who mourn. Now, maybe... For you, if you're honest, you think blessed are the comfortable, not blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who don't have to deal with grief and pain. We love comfort, don't we? I mean, who has air conditioning in their house? I've got air conditioning, yep. Only a few people in the church. Well, that's amazing. I thought pretty much all of us would. But most of us in Brisbane, we have air conditioning because it's hot and we like comfort. You know, sometimes for me, I don't know if you can relate to this, but after a, a difficult day at work or something like that, I'll come home and my heart is just set on comfort. I've just made these plans. I'm going to treat myself tonight, but I'm just going to get these kids and wrangle them and feed them and put them in bed and that sort of thing first. And then after that's done, I'm going to have a nice meal. My wife's going to be in the greatest mood in the world and we're just going to chat and laugh and have a glass of wine and Oh, have dessert, and maybe we can fit in a movie on Netflix as well, and just comfort, comfort, comfort. We love comfort. But Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the comfortable. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They'll be comforted with the kind of comfort that is divine, that is deeper, that is greater than the smaller comforts we can afford ourselves in this world. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know, maybe here this morning in the building or online, you are in a dark place. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe your heart is broken. And this beatitude is something that you can hold on to today. Because Jesus says that those who bring their mourning to him will be comforted. If you're a Christian and you're in a joyful place, you're content, that's great. You know, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is joy. We're not meant to just be sad all the time. But for you, this beatitude can be a bit of a spiritual health check. Does mourning ever characterize your life? Do you ever feel grief over your own sin? And repent and bring it to God? Do you ever feel grief for others who are suffering, grief for the lost, and bring those prayers to God? Do you ever mourn? This is a spiritual health check for you. Maybe you're here this morning or online and 
you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. That's great. We're so glad that you're here. But for you, this beatitude, it gives you a doorway into the kingdom of heaven. It gives you a doorway into that blessed, happy life with God. And it shows you how you can begin that life through mourning your own sin and bringing that to God and finding comfort in Him. We're going to dive into what Jesus says today and we're going to learn from this beatitude as we ask three questions. And the first is this, who are the blessed mourners? Who are the blessed mourners? Because there's lots of mourning that goes on in our world, right? And mourning doesn't automatically equal blessing. All sorts of people mourn for all sorts of different things. Traditionally, we think of mourning when it comes to like a funeral and the death of a loved one. But the Greek word that Jesus uses can actually just mean to feel sad, to feel grief over any kind of loss. And people all around the world, this is a human experience. Atheists and Buddhists and Muslims mourn. Footy fans and cricket fans and soccer fans mourn, unless you're like an all-black supporter or something. You never lose, which makes me so annoyed sometimes. We can even mourn because we can't do the sin that we want to commit. The classic example of that in the Bible is David's firstborn son, Amnon. Mourning doesn't automatically equal blessing. And so we need to ask, who are the blessed mourners? Because we want to be those people. We want to be those people who receive divine comfort. So who are the blessed mourners? Well, we need to understand that when Jesus gives this beatitude, he's actually drawing on Isaiah 61, Verses 1 to 3. And so we need to go to Isaiah 61. We need to read that, understand that, understand the kind of mourners that Isaiah was speaking to. And then we can come to Jesus' beatitude and really understand the kind of mourners he's speaking to. So let's take a look at Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3, and I'll read it for us. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Let's stop there. You can just notice a similarity there with some of the things Jesus has already done. So we're in Matthew chapter 5, but in Matthew chapter 4, it says that he went around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He speaks to the poor. I go on in Isaiah 61. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So who are these people that Isaiah is referring to? Who are those who are grieving in Zion, which Zion is a hill in Jerusalem, which the temple was located on. Well, Isaiah is referring to the remnant of God's people who have come home from Babylon. You see, at one point in history, Babylon became like the superpower of that time. They came to Jerusalem, they put it to siege, they eventually destroyed Jerusalem and carried away the people to Babylon. But later on, Persia rose up as a great power, King Cyrus defeated Babylon, and he let the Israelites go home. He said, you're welcome to go home and rebuild your city with my blessing. 
And so they went back to Jerusalem, and when they saw the rubble and the devastation, they mourned. They mourned the humiliation of Israel. But they didn't just mourn as victims who had suffered terrible things under Babylon. They mourned as sinners too. Because they knew that it was their sin that led to this terrible judgment. So here we are putting together a picture of the kind of mourner Isaiah is speaking to. He's speaking to those who mourn evil and suffering due to sin. He's, he's speaking of those who mourn sin and its effects. And not those who simply just feel sad about those things, but those who bring those things to God, who look to God for rescue, for answer. And so a few hundred years later, Jesus draws on Isaiah 61, and he looks at his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You see, the Jews at this time, they were mourning because Israel was still humiliated. Yes, the temple was rebuilt. Yes, Jerusalem was a city again. But they were basically slaves to the Roman Empire. They were subservient to Rome. They weren't all they were meant to be. And so the people were grieved by this. They mourned and they longed for God's help. They longed for God to send the Messiah, the rescuer, who would bring Israel back to its former glory. They mourned the effects of sin. They mourned the the fact they were under Rome, and they mourned sin itself, knowing that it was their people's sinfulness and waywardness that led to this present state of affairs. They mourned sin and its effects before God. That's the kind of mourner that Jesus is talking about. And we get a perfect example of a blessed mourner in Simeon. He's a guy we meet in Luke chapter 2, and I'm just going to read to you about him. It says in verse 25, Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting. He was looking. He was longing for the consolation that is the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. You see, Simeon was a blessed mourner. He was burdened by the humiliation of his people. He was waiting on the Lord, waiting for God's rescue, waiting for God's answer, looking to him for comfort. And when he saw God's Messiah had come in Jesus, he celebrated. He praised God. He was comforted. If you mourn sin and its effects before God, looking to him for help, you are one of his blessed people, and you will be comforted. When I think of this kind of mourning, I think of a song by King's Kaleidoscope, one of my favorite artists, and they're led by a guy called Chad Gardner. Chad wrote a song called A Prayer a few years ago, and in it, he's, he's mourning. He's not mourning sin. It's not a song of repentance. He's mourning the effects of sin. He's mourning that death entered this world through sin. 
because he had experienced some real tragic things at this time. Him and his wife had experienced the, the stillbirth of their first child. And I remember listening to the interview and him describing what that experience was like. The confusion and the pain of having to deliver a child that was not alive anymore. You can just imagine the kind of heart-wrenching pain that would have brought to them. And at this same time, thing after another happened to them. His wife's father was diagnosed with brain cancer and died 10 weeks later. They were in a time of deep mourning, and so he wrote this song called A Prayer. And there's a point in this song where he just sings, Jesus, where are you? Am I still beside you? Jesus, where are you? Am I still beside you? Jesus, where are you? Am I still beside you? Am I still beside you? Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? These are the words of a person who is in such pain that they can't sense the presence of Jesus. And yet he brings his pain to God in a prayer because he knows who Jesus is. He knows what Jesus did for him at the cross. He was a blessed mourner bringing his pain to God and looking to him for comfort and for help. Now maybe you're not a Christian and you're thinking, how does Jesus comfort you in a pain like that? How can Jesus actually guarantee comfort in that kind of pain? Well, we're going to look at that question next. How can Jesus guarantee their comfort? You see, Israel was looking for God's comfort in their day, in Jesus' day. And they knew that they were not right with God. They were under God's covenant curses. So Israel had this special relationship with God. It's called a covenant. And in the Old Testament, it outlines what this relationship was about and how it came to be and how the people were meant to maintain their relationship with God. If they loved Him and loved others, they'd be blessed. If they rejected God and hurt others, they'd be cursed. And at this time in history, Israel knew that they weren't right with God. They were under one of God's curses because Deuteronomy 28.33 says, and this is one of the curses, that a people that you do not know will eat what your land and labor produce and you'll have nothing but cruel oppression all your days. They knew that they were still under God's curses because the Romans were still their masters. And so they were looking to God and looking for, how do we get right with God again? How do we find comfort again? How do we get back into God's blessings? And there are different strategies to do this. One group called the Pharisees trusted in their own moral resolve. They were very religious, very zealous about following God's law. And there's something admirable about that, but it wasn't enough. They didn't realize that Israel was not going to find their way back into God's blessings by getting more zealous about holiness. The answer was never in themselves. The answer was in God's gracious heart and His loving plan to bring a rescue. Biblical Christianity tells us that we can't do it alone, but that God is that gracious that He wants to do it for us. 
And this is exactly what Isaiah 61 promised. We looked at that before. It promised God's comfort. How was that comfort promised? Who would bring that comfort? Well, let's just remember what it said. It said in verse 1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to comfort all who mourn. Who was this one who the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord rested? Well, you might remember that in Matthew chapter 3, before the Sermon on the Mount, the Spirit of the Lord rested on Jesus like a dove. And in Luke's Gospel, Jesus actually reads out Isaiah 61. He reads it out and says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, this is me. Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. He's the one who will bind up the brokenhearted and comfort all who mourn. But again, how? How would he do that? And the answer is, by forsaking his own comfort. By forsaking his own comfort. He was Israel's true king. He should have had the red carpets rolled out for him and palaces built for him and beautiful food given to him and clothes to wear. But he abandoned his own comfort for the sake of sinners and sufferers. You see, Jesus was the true mourner. Isaiah calls him a man of sorrows. He carried a real burden on him during his time on earth. He spent his days grieved by sin and its effects. And just as the exiles mourned over Jerusalem when they saw the rubble that remained, Jesus, towards the end of his ministry, looked over Jerusalem and mourned. But the city had been rebuilt. The temple was bigger than it had ever been. What was he mourning over? He was mourning over the people. He said, only if they knew what makes for peace. If only they knew that God had sent me to rescue them. If only they knew. But the people did not recognize him. They rejected him. And on the night before they crucified Jesus, we know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was very sorrowful, very troubled in his heart. Not simply because he'd be mocked or persecuted at the cross. He'd been mocked and persecuted throughout his ministry. But because he was about to take upon himself the cause of all of our discomfort and pain and grief. He was going to bear our sin. He was going to be our representative. He was going to make himself a substitute for us. Bearing our sin to the cross. So when he cried out to God from the cross, there was no answer. Because he experienced the, the judgment that sin deserves. A godless existence. A comfortless existence. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And this is why he can guarantee our comfort. His comfort was forsaken so that we could be comforted. He went to the cross and dealt with our sins so that no sin or sorrow or suffering could ever separate us 
from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8. You know, despite the pain he was in, Chad Gardner knew this. And so at the end of the song, he wrote down in faith what he knew Jesus' response would be. So he was singing, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? In my pain, in my loss. And Jesus responds, I'm right beside you. I feel what you feel. And I'm here to hold you when death is too real. You know I died too. I was terrified. I gave myself for you. I was crucified because I love you. I love you, child. I love you. See, Jesus' love was excruciatingly deep. But he can comfort those who are in excruciating distress. He can guarantee it. Jesus comforts us with the cross. When we mourn over our sin before him, he reminds us that he's paid for it, that we are forgiven, that we are clean, that we are free. He comforts us with the cross. He comforts us with his presence in the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit, the, the, the comfort that he spoke of in Matthew 5 verse 4, is the Greek word parakaleo. And in John 16, verse 7, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the parakletos, the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. And Romans 8 teaches us that we've been given this Holy Spirit, that we have not been given a spirit of fear to fall back into slavery, but we've been given a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters of God. The Spirit tells us, you're a child now. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. He accepts you. You have an inheritance in the new creation that is beyond your wildest imagination. Paul goes on to say in Romans 8, we know that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that has been revealed to us. Jesus comforts us with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus comforts us himself. In Revelation 7, it says, for the lamb at the center of the throne. That's Jesus, the one who became like a sacrifice lamb at the cross. That lamb will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus comforts us. So what will be our response? This comfort is available not to the perfect, not to the strong, but to those who mourn. Those who bring their sins and their sufferings to God. So how will we respond to this? Well, that's our third and final question. The next time you mess up and you sin, don't hide from God. Don't distract yourself. Don't beat yourself up in shame. Take it to God. Grieve your sin before him and receive the comfort that he offers as he says, you're forgiven. You are righteous before me because of Jesus. When you're grieved by the humiliation of the church, the state of the church in Australia, you know the average size of the church in Australia is 50 people? Do you know the average conversion rate 
of people actually becoming Christians in Australia amongst the local churches, 1.5% per year. If you have 100 people, about one person per year will become a Christian. And when we mourn the state of the church in Australia and the way it's declining and the way less and less people are becoming Christians, we bring those prayers to God and ask for Him to do a work of renewal. When people who are meant to be leaders in the church do horrific things, like the child abuse scandal in Australia, we mourn. We mourn. We bring that anger over the hurt that's been done to the child. We bring the anger over the disrepute that's been brought to Jesus' name. We bring that to God and we ask for His renewing work in the church. For us to be a city on a hill, a light to the nations. When sin's effects come knocking at your door and you experience a broken world again, whether it's the loss of a loved one, a broken gene, a lost job, sickness, cancer, don't run away from the pain, but bring it to God. Mourn it before Him. Tell Him how you feel, just like Chad Gardner did in his song. Because blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus came 2,000 years ago to die in the place of sinners, and Jesus is coming again to destroy evil once and for all, to renew all things, to wipe every tear from our eyes, and to comfort us forever. Do you know that there'll be a day when there is just no more pain, no more difficulty, because Jesus will have renewed things so perfectly and so beautifully. Until that day, the truly blessed person, the truly happy person, will be the one who brings their sins and sufferings to God and mourns them and waits eagerly for the return of Jesus because that is exactly the type of person who will be comforted. Let's pray. Jesus, it's not always comfortable for us to talk about sin and suffering and sorrow and evil and injustice in our world. But yet it's a reality we have to deal with, Lord. And we know that the path to true comfort and happiness does not lie in distracting ourselves or just being positive, but it's in bringing these things before you. It's in mourning these things to you. And Lord, we just bring our burdens today and we lay them at your feet, Jesus. And we look to you as our comforter. Comfort all who mourn this morning, Jesus. Comfort those who grieve. Bind up the brokenhearted. You said this is who you are and this is what you came to do. And we ask for that comfort and consolation of the Holy Spirit this morning in this place and for our friends online. love you, Jesus, and you're our only hope, and we pray all of this in your name.